Hello, Christ Church. We're back again in Colossians chapter 3 for part B of the sermon that we actually started last week. We are reading from Colossians 3, 18 through 21, but we're focused on the back half of that passage. Before I read it, let me remind you where we have been and also share with you where we are going because both will help set a tone for our, our message this morning. As a reminder, in our time in Colossians, uh, Paul has been writing against the worldly teaching that was prevailing at the time by pointing us to the supremacy and all-sufficiency of Christ and showing us that we are, by God's grace, united to Jesus in His death and in His resurrection. And so he's showing us now, in this portion of the book, what that looks like lived out in this life and today in the context of relationship. That's where we've been. Now, how about where are we going? After Colossians, we're going to spend some time going to Exodus chapter 20 and looking to the Ten Commandments. Now, the Fifth Commandment speaks to children honoring your parents. And so, in a couple of months, we're going to have another sermon that will sound a lot like this one. There are going to be nuances to that command that we will draw more on in a couple of months than we will this morning. So just know that uh, today will be part of the story. And in two months, we'll come back to it to hopefully round it out a little bit more. But I'll remind you also of something that we said last week when we talked about husbands and wives. This is not merely a sermon for the children and the parents. That it speaks as God's Word to all of God's people by pointing us to the, to the heart of the Father and to our call to a heart of obedience as children of God. Let's pray, asking the Lord's blessing on the reading and preaching of His Word. Would you bow with me? Father, as we come to this text, I pray that you would, uh, you would open our hearts up to it, to receive from you your Word, and that we might see uh, your love for us in Jesus Christ through it. Do this, we pray in His name. Amen. All right, friends, this is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. Wives, Submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This is the word of the Lord. We're talking about... Um, Christ-united families, Christ-united parenting. So I thought about that. Uh, an old story came to mind. Maybe you remember from um, your childhood days, Aesop's Fables. They were a series of fables meant to teach lessons. And one of those fables was the story of the tortoise and the hare. You probably uh, remember the basics of that story, uh, a fast-running hare, rabbit, uh, comes up upon a, a slow tortoise and, and makes fun of how slow he was. But the tortoise replied to the hare and said, I bet you I can get to the destination faster than you think. 
And so he challenged the hare to a race. Well, the hare gladly took part in this race, looking forward to an opportunity to show how fast he was. And he took off from the starting line and he got way ahead of the tortoise. But it wasn't enough for the hare to beat the tortoise. He also had to make fun of him. So the hare decided to lay down and take a nap. While the hare was asleep, the tortoise gradually made his way past him to the finish line. The moral of the story, the moral of Aesop's fable there is that slow and steady wins the race. We hear that and maybe remember Aesop's fable and maybe even smile a bit to ourselves at this quaint story. But in our smiling, there's also a knowing that we want it fast. We don't want to, do a, to, to make a slow and steady uh, plodding approach. We, we want to get there fast. We want it fast. But the question is, what is it? What is, what is it for you? We've all got our own definitions of it and what we want it to be and how fast we want to get there. It takes a lot of forms, but we want joy. We want peace. We want fulfillment. We want meaning. But how do we define those things and where do we go looking for them and how quickly are we trying to get there? Colossians has been telling us that we have it in Christ. We have joy and fulfillment and meaning and peace in Christ. And Colossians has been telling us that it takes the shape of our union with Jesus. This union is, is given to us by the grace of God through a heart change that allows us to see Jesus in a new light, to receive His, His life-giving sacrifice. But at the point at which we come to know Jesus in a saving way. At the point at which we come to be united to Him by the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, that, that begins a lifelong process of growing in Christ-likeness. A lifelong process of slow, steady plodding. A life of obedience. Now the Word of God is a word of wisdom and it points us to this long intentional movement of obedience. But again, we want it fast. We want to shape our understanding of fulfillment and peace. And so in wanting it fast, we oftentimes settle for something lesser. We'll settle for a, a lesser it. We, we define it in worldly terms. And we try to get it quickly. And there's the struggle. And that struggle impacts our relationships. We saw it last week in the relationship between husband and wife. We see it today in the relationship between parent and child. But God has given us these relationships because in the relationship, we learn more what it is to, to grow in Christ's likeness. I've, I've described it as relationship is the sandpaper of the gospel where we rub up against one another and God exposes our sin struggles and draws us more into Christ. We don't like that. We want to define fulfillment in our own terms. We want to get it in our own timing. And there's the problem. It exposes it uh, in children and exposes it in parents. So the children 
They, they want a lesser it. They want it now, and that leads to self-focused disobedience. Parents want a lesser it. They want it now. And when that rubs up against the disobedience of a child, we as parents respond with anger. The passage today speaks to both. And so it's a very simple outline. We're going to speak to uh, what the, the, the text says about children in verse 20 and parents in verse 21. So we'll start with the children. So can I, for a moment, let me, let me speak to the kids. Uh, as I speak to the kids, I, I want to remind you, children, what this Bible passage is telling you to do in Christ. The Bible is telling you children here to obey. Obey your parents. But the Bible says obey your parents in everything. Now that's, that's pretty hard to do, isn't it? And saying obey your parents when it comes to your chores. Obey your parents when it comes to bedtime. Obey your parents when it comes to taking a bath. Obey your parents when it comes to how you, how you relate to other people, your manners, the way you respect other people, even when they tell you to stop fighting with your brother or sister. Children, obey your parents in everything. But that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to obey in everything. But why? Why is it hard for us to obey our parents? Well, sometimes... We don't like what our parents are telling us to do. Sometimes we don't even think about not obeying. Sometimes we don't even hear our parents. We're just thinking about ourselves. Some of you kids know that I have a dog. Uh, my dog is named Lucy. And Lucy is, a, Lucy is a, a yellow lab. And even though she's old for a dog, she has a lot of energy. I remember when Lucy was a puppy, and I spent a lot of time trying to train Lucy. And here's the thing I figured out. Lucy, she's actually a pretty smart dog. She learned the commands that I was teaching her. She knows what I'm saying. So when I tell Lucy to sit, she knows how to do that. When I tell Lucy to stay, she knows how to do that. And when I tell Lucy to come, she knows how to do that. But how well do you think Lucy obeys? <laughs> Not real well. There's a difference between knowing what to do and actually doing it. But here's the thing I also learned with Lucy. If I have a dog biscuit in my hand, how much better do you think she obeys? <laughs> a lot better. And so... Is that really obedience though, kids? What do you think? Is she trying to obey me or is she just trying to do a trick so she can get what she really wants so she can get the dog biscuit? That's right. She's just trying to get what she wants and she will obey if obeying means that she gets her real desire. What kind of obedience do you think the Bible is telling us or calling us to in this passage? What do you think God uh, wants for us? Well, children, God, what He wants most for us is to love Jesus and to be more like Him. It's not merely that we just need to do this or that because somebody told us what God wants for us is to know Jesus. 
Did you know that one of the best gifts that, that God has given us as children to help us know Jesus and love Jesus and grow more like Jesus is our parents? Well, the Bible tells uh, the children to obey your parents, to listen to them and to trust them that they know what is best for you, to trust that they know better, actually. But is that the only reason we obey? Well, not really. Because if the only reason we obey our parents is because in a certain uh, thing, a certain task, they know better, then what we really need to do is find the best, most knowledgeable expert. So we could obey our parents, we could obey our teacher, we could obey the, the TV screen if we thought they were the most trustworthy. But God knows better than us. And so He gave us parents to love us and to lead us. And when we obey them, when we obey our parents, it, it shows our love and respect for them. But more importantly, it shows our love and respect for the Lord, because when we obey our parents, we're actually obeying God. And the Bible says in verse 20 that that pleases the Lord. To please the Lord is, is to obey from the heart. But what if we don't? What if we don't obey our parents? And what if we don't obey them from the heart? Do you, do you know what it means to obey from the heart? I bet you do. If your parents ever told you to go clean your room and, and you said to yourself, I'll do it, but in your mind you said, I'm not going to like it. Maybe you kind of stomped over to your room and you said, I'll clean it, but they can't make me do it with a happy heart. Do you think that kind of obedience pleases the Lord? Probably not. But all of us have done that. So then what? What do we do when we've done what the Bible calls sin? When we've obeyed, but we haven't done it from the heart. Well, we obey in the Lord. We're reminded who the Lord is. Um, we trust in Him to forgive us. The fancy way of saying this may be a word that you've heard me say when we've been preaching and you've been with your parents. It's, it's called union. Union means that we get to be uh, in relationship with Jesus. A relationship that He has brought us into where He holds us so tight. And when we live in that kind of relationship with Jesus, we, we don't have to hide from Him. So when we realize that we've been obeying but not with a, a heart of obedience, the Bible tells us to repent. That's another fancy word that just means... Turn away from that, that mean-spirited obedience. Turn away from that disobedience and turn back to Jesus. And when we repent, we believe that Jesus forgives us of our sin because He loves us. And after we repent and after we believe, we obey. We do our best to, to listen to God's Word and, and we obey and know that in our obeying and even at times in our disobeying, we're loved by God. So when it's hard for you, little children, to, to obey your parents, remember that Jesus loves you. 
Remember that Jesus died for you. Remember that Jesus rose again for you. And remember that Jesus sent His Holy Spirit to you to to help guide you and help teach you what it means to, to obey with a happy, joyful heart. That's what the whole message of the Bible says. And it's what this passage says to the children. But what about to the fathers and the parents? That was the next verse. That was verse 21. So, let me speak to the parents for a minute. Verse 21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, we've just said what the Bible is calling the children to do. The Bible is calling the children to obey. But implied in that call to obey, if the children are going to obey, then there must be someone issuing the commands. That someone is as the passage says fathers but but when it speaks of fathers here it's part of it is is calling to fathers and their role as the as the head of the house and we spoke about that biblical headship last week there's also at the time Paul was writing more of a cultural focus where the father was the one who did the instruction in the home and did the discipline in the home and and while a father still should lead we understand that Mothers and fathers do that together. And so when we hear fathers here, we speak to fathers, but we also speak to mothers. But how about those commands? The commands that the fathers and the mothers give. Why do they do that? And to what end uh, are the fathers to give orders? I've got a friend who talks about his daughter and his daughter's greatest ambition in life. <laughs> he said his daughter, he's not sure what his daughter's going to do when she grows up, but she's going to be the boss. <laughs> that that's her goal, to be the boss. She believes that somebody's got to be in charge, and it might as well be her. But in charge of what? Well, she doesn't really care. She just wants to be the boss. Sometimes as parents, we can kind of think the same way doesn't really matter to us what the end goal is, but somebody's got to be in charge. It's going to be us, so let's just obey. have our kids just obey. No questions asked. But are we as parents asking the question of to what end? Are we as parents asking the question of what, are the, what is the goal of our parenting? Maybe for some of us, that goal is simply survival. If young children, well, even if you have older children, maybe you're just trying to make it through the day. Maybe the biggest goal you have in your life at a particular moment is to try and get a moment of peace and quiet. But isn't there more? Shouldn't there be more? Yes. As we lead our children, as we raise our children, we're we're teaching them to be more than uh, seen and not heard. We're, we want to teach them work ethic. We want to teach them manners. We want to teach them respect. And those are all worthy goals of our parenting. But uh, work ethic and manners and respect, they all are meant to serve a greater purpose, which is growth in Christ-likeness. And so, as, as godly parents... 
parenting out of our union in Christ. Let us set a vision for our children to uh, follow Christ. Let us set a vision to shape our children's hearts to know and love Jesus, that they might be Christ lovers. Let that be the goal of our parenting more than merely a few moments of peace and quiet. It's helpful for us to ask these questions. Why are we giving commands to our children? And to know that we parent and lead more than merely through our command giving. We do so as we engage in their hearts, as we, as we know them, as we know what is going on in their hearts, as we lead them with this long-term vision. But parents, if we are to do this, if we're to parent with this goal in mind, we ourselves must be Christ lovers. We ourselves must be uh, passionate pursuers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we must know and love Jesus first before we can shape their hearts in this direction. All of that is implied in the text that calls us as parents to, in fact, parent, to, to command. But what about that little phrase at the end of, well, maybe it's actually at the beginning of verse 20, where it says, fathers, do not provoke. What does it mean to do not provoke, and why are we not to provoke? Well, first of all, let me, let me start with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we are to abdicate our role as parents. To not do not provoke does not mean just be a hands-off parent. There's a there's actually an interesting little passage in First Kings, chapter one. First Kings, chapter one. It's at the end of King David's life, and and he is appointing Solomon to be king after him. But there is this battle in his family to see who actually will be king. And in 1 Kings 1, 5, and 6, uh, they're, uh, they're telling two verses. It reads, Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, Haggith was uh, one of David's wives, uh, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And then verse 6. It says, His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, Why have you done thus and so? You hear what the Bible's saying? That King David, as great as he was, did not discipline his son. And as a result of him not disciplining his son, as a result of him not challenging his son or displeasing his son, his son was spoiled. His son thought that he could exalt himself over King David's wishes. That's not what Paul is saying when he says, do not provoke. He's not saying, let your children do whatever they like. The Bible says that you, as a parent, are a God-ordained, God-given authority in your family. But maybe... The fact that we are the God-ordained authority is why it's so hard for us. I don't know about you, 
but possibly the thing that grates at my nerves the most as a parent is disrespect. And maybe that's more telling about me than about my children or anyone else because I want to be the boss. And as the boss, I want uh, my children, I want others to obey me without question, without pause. I want them to respect me. Friends, as I think about this passage and I think about this command, I, I look back on my life as a father and there are images burned in my mind that burden me, that break my heart. I, I look back on times in my parenting, scenes that I wish I could remove where I have provoked my children because I saw in something in them something that, that wasn't present. I wanted it now. I wanted it quick. I wanted respect. And I responded sinfully. Those images are burned in my mind. And I responded to their disrespect with anger that bordered on rage. Maybe you have those images in your own past. I would guess that the common denominator in all of those images was that you and I, well, I'll just speak for myself. I wasn't getting what I wanted. Remember Lucy? I wanted respect. And I was making respecting me the end goal of my parenting rather than that respect as a means to the end goal. That's the danger. We take something that's lesser and make it an ultimate. When the Bible tells parents do not provoke, one of the things that it is saying is parents be a worthy authority. I think what the Bible is telling us is that in our parenting, we are to be the chief repenter in our home. We're to recognize our own sin. We are to go running to Jesus Christ to receive the forgiveness that He offers us so freely in the Gospel, to turn back to Him, to believe in His good purposes, and to share that common need for Jesus with our children. I think what the Bible is telling us is that when we humble ourselves as parents, we become worthy of our children's respect. Not because of something in us, but because of Jesus, who has united us both in Him. When we do this, we learn what it means as parents to command and to model. With that thought of modeling, uh, parents... I want to remind you, as I remind myself in this message, that what we model is what we produce. So again, what are we trying to produce? Are we trying to produce in our children healthy, productive citizens? I hope so, but I hope that's not all we're trying to produce. I hope our goal is to produce Christ-lovers. But there's a problem with that. Because what the Bible tells us 
is that while we have a role to play, we, in fact, cannot produce Christ's lovers. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, trusting in the Holy Spirit and wrestling with our past failures, I offer two truths. Two truths in closing that are born out of this passage and born out of the whole of Scripture. The first is that we are called in Christ to a life of covenantal obedience. Think of it as the long-term steady plotting of the tortoise. A long, slow, intentional movement in a certain direction. We're called to engage in the hearts and lives of our children to intentionally, over the long term, pursue their hearts. One of the ways that I think about it is is our role in parenting is is producing a picture, but we can't paint the whole picture. We're, We're just painting little thumbprint mosaic images. Have you seen a photo mosaic? It is a, it's a picture made up of thousands of tiny little thumbprint images. Our parenting is, is, is focusing on those, those small thumbprints and being intentional in those moments. Trusting in, in the Lord to even do those moments and trusting in the Lord to bring them all together. Now, some of us may be hearing this called a long-term covenantal obedience, and we may be thinking to ourselves, oh no, I have I've messed it all up. It's too late. I have, I have missed opportunities with my children. And if that is you, or if, I'm, or if you are the child, thinking I have, I have disobeyed my parents so often that they couldn't possibly love me and neither could Jesus. If... If that is you, as parent or child, and you're hearing this call to a long-term covenantal obedience and thinking you've missed it, I bring you to the second truth. Not only are we called to covenantal obedience, we must remember that our God is a covenantal God of redeeming grace. This passage points us to the heart of the Father. heart of the Father who is for His children the heart of the Father who is growing His children in Christ's likeness. The heart of a Father who is forgiving and loving to His own. Friends, it's never too late. It's never too late to learn to obey. It's never too late to pursue the hearts of our children. It's never too late to know that the Lord is shaping us through relationship and that the Lord is drawing us to Himself through relationship and to trust that His timing is perfect. Are you listening to this sermon and reading this text and and feeling the weight of conviction? Good. But that weight of conviction is not meant to bring shame. It's meant to bring release. Because Jesus came to redeem sinners and to reclaim sinners. That message is for disobedient children and that message is for angry parents. Our Savior works in families and our Savior restores families because our Savior ultimately is the one painting the picture of the Christ-united family. Let's obey our parents. Let's love and lead our children. And let's trust in Christ. Would you bow with me? Father, thank You for this message. Thank You for this Word. 
I pray that you would imprint it on our hearts, that you might be glorified and we might be blessed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.